It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Talk to JT. As we are rolling on on the biggest topic in the NFL. This is nothing to dive into and look crazy about. Have we lost our bleeping mind? Look, the elephant in the room is the majority of our audience are Raider fans, and they would like the Raiders to win now. They don't want to rebuild. They don't care about two or three years. The last 20-plus years have been hard, and they're sick of it. Excuses die. The record stands. JT the Brick. Are you kidding me? It's an absolute free-for-all with the Raiders on national radio debate shows. Everybody now is throwing blank up against the wall. No, no, no. Who are you listening to? Who, who's putting this in your head? But what happens next is what should this team do that's responsible, not reckless, makes sense, and could kind of thread the needle and get this team back to greatness. Are you with me on that? Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. And now, sound off like you got a pair. Here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT. Hope you're having a great day today. Stay cool. Stay cool. Have a great summer. It's hot. It's hot. And rookies have reported to Raiders training camp. Welcome into the show today. Got a lot to get to. Busy show, and we got to get rolling here. To uh, Bobby, who put the show together, today is Kickers and Punters Day. One day only. The history of this proud organization. I need the three greatest kickers of all time. I need the three greatest punters of all time. Also, you can talk about your favorite player in that category. Guys like Raider 66, Chris in Sacramento, Chris in West Oakland, Raider Man. They've all been great. They're participating. I ain't no substitute teacher in summer school. I ain't no sub. I'm doing this to connect the legends of the Raider Nation, the fans, to the greatness of the Raiders. And most importantly, this is summer school education to our young new fans in Las Vegas. That's all it is. And it's a whopping success. I went and watched, I wanted to know if I got a bonus check for doing this. There was nothing in my cubby hole here. There was no bonus check for this great programming here, which I've had little or nothing to do with other than tweeting out who we come together with as our final group. It is not an exact science. I head-butted yesterday with someone over Dave Grayson as a safety over a corner. I said, well, the gold jacket told me he was a better corner than a safety. And the guy said, well, I don't care what the gold jacket said. He was a better safety than a corner. This is not perfect. It's just a discussion. Be a part of the discussion as we open up the show for two hours. I only have one interview. Jay Vickers, the chief operating officer for the Sports Innovation Initiative at UNLV. They have, they're having a big summit, a big meeting next year at Virgin Hotels. I was there for their kickoff dinner. Fantastic. I think you're going to love how, wait till you hear what this guy, former Notre Dame standout, has to say about Las Vegas entertainment and sports and things I didn't know about. I mean, you're going to be blown away about what's happening in the city. We are the sports and entertainment capital of the world. It's much easy to say the entertainment capital of the world because of Sinatra and because of the Rat Pack, because of Elvis, because of Wayne Newton over the years. And Celine Dion and Adele, much easier, Bruno Mars, to say with the entertainment. We have the Sphere. We have all these concert venues. It was a hell of a reach to claim that this town was the sports capital of the world. Still, I cringe when I hear that a little bit because we're not New York, dude. We're not L.A., okay? We're not London, where there's a whole bunch of Premier League soccer teams that are more recognizable around the world than most of our teams. But we're getting there, man. And the reason why we're becoming the sports and entertainment capital of the world 
is because Vegas as a venue, not the teams. The teams help. If Mark Davis didn't come with the Raiders, what'd we have? We wouldn't have Allegiant Stadium, so we wouldn't have Manchester United soccer. We wouldn't have Real Madrid. If Bill Foley didn't bring the Golden Knights here via expansion, what would we have? T-Mobile for what? We'd have UFC. Dana White is a god in this town. We'd have boxing. We have Crawford Spence coming up. We'd have venues. You know, we had Ali fight here and Sugar Ray Leonard at Caesars in the parking lot. We had UNLV play here. What a great team. 89-90. That didn't make us the sports capital of the world. Now we're the sports venue capital of the world. And we're going to talk about that at the top of next hour. I think you'll enjoy that conversation. But today, uh, numbers always been the same. 702-365-9200. Let's get to the kickers and punters. It's time for the Raiders Radio All-Time Raiders Team. The best of the best at every position. The greatest Raider team of all time. The Raiders Radio All-Time Raiders Team. Today's position, kickers, hunters. I like that. I like that type of party. You know why? The kicker's the leading scorer on the team, and we need bleeping points. We need some points around here, everybody. We got to get some points. And Daniel Carlson's going to be able to do that. So there are no rules. I just want to hear for you. Who are the greatest kickers and punters in franchise history? And you can only have three in each category. I'm not looking for three and three reserves. In every other category, safeties, cornerbacks, cornerbacks especially. Right? We had Willie Brown. We had Charles Woodson. We had Mike Haynes and Lester Hayes. I knew it. You knew it ahead of time. So we needed the four reserves. Then we went to Skip Thomas, right? We went to the reserves and the other cornerbacks and Namdi Asamoa. And we had a nice fun debate over two hours. And then we had the runner-ups. And we had guys like Eric Allen in there. So this is what I want to do with the kickers and punters. We know who the obvious guys are, but we don't know who the third is in each category. We don't know who the third is in each category because Janikowski didn't win anything. He did not. He won an AFC championship, which is something because I got the ring to show for it. And it's nicer and much more expensive, the one I have in my security box, than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl ring. Great story. Great story. As Al, you want to hear it? Al Davis said, wait, wait, wait. Wait till the Bucs get their rings before they get ours. Bruce Allen, who is at the center of this Daniel Snyder, part of that. Daniel Snyder's out today. I'll get to that. Called me up and said, you were voted on. One of six. Get your ring size. Got my ring. And I wish it was a Super Bowl ring because I would have got a Super Bowl ring. And uh, that would have been one of the coolest things in the ring that I have, which I'll pass down to my sons, and they'll fight over it in court, is that uh, it, was, it was a journey that I went on the whole year with that team and got to know a lot of guys and enjoyed it. It could have been a Super Bowl ring. Janikowski kicked in that Super Bowl that the Raiders lost, and that was a uh, Super Bowl the Raiders should have won. I really do. I believe they should have won that. Tip your cap to Gruden and the Bucks. They ended up winning that Super Bowl. But George Blanda, Jeff Jager, Chris Barr, Daniel Carlson is in consideration for the all-time team. He is absolutely in consideration. I put Rod Woodson, Ronnie Lott, Jerry Rice will be in consideration. Obviously, where do you put Carlson? Where do you put Carlson? Don't tell me it's too early. He's been here now, and he's kicking at an alarming rate of production. He really is. Do you get Carlson as your third teamer? 
For the punters, Ray Guy and Shane Leckler, immovable objects. I believe Shane Leckler will be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He was named one of the 100 greatest players of all time. Remember that? They had that in San Francisco, 50 year He showed up with that maroon jacket, one of the greatest 100 players of all time. He should get in. Jeff Gossett, A.J. Cole, in consideration in this category. He is having a hell of a start to his career as a punter for the Raiders. I mean, don't touch these guys. The only reason you move a kicker is if a kicker gets the yips. It's the only reason you move ever a kicker. If you got a really good kicker, you know, a very, very good kicker, unless he has a horrible season where he has the yips and he's just so bad you got to get rid of him. You know, Daniel Carlson and A.J. Cole seem to be two guys you can leave alone for quite some time here. You know, we've talked about Dave Ziegler as he's deconstructing this roster to try to bring in better smarter, faster, more explosive players. Well, you haven't had a word about A.J. Cole and Carlson. They're not going anywhere. These are two of the best in the league. So we have to include them. Marquette King. I love Marquette. He was a very misunderstood guy. Really still to this day misunderstood. He was a hell of a punter. And I just think if he, he – I wouldn't have told him to, but I think some of the coaches thought he needed to stay in his lane a little bit more instead of dancing around and doing all that. If he just stayed in his lane a little bit more – he kind of probably been kicking in this league. Maybe not for the Raiders, for another team. And uh, George Blanda. That's what's great about this category. Of all the players that I've gotten a chance to know, I've never met George Blanda, obviously, who passed away. And when you look at any history of the Raiders, there's George Blanda. And if you want to talk about George Blanda, you remember him as a kid. You have a story about him as a kid. You went to a Raider game in Oakland where he won the game, which he did often, as a quarterback or kicking, he was a multiple-player Hall of Famer. Today, I'm honored to be the only radio show in America that will be taking calls on George Blanda, and we should do that. And then the great Ray Guy, who passed away. And, you know, when you, when you think of Ray Guy and the impact that Ray Guy had, and to be around Ray Guy uh, throughout his career, he wasn't around all the time. But when Ray Guy came back, uh, Ray Guy... You were just in greatness. Ray Guy died at the age of 72. I'm going home to see my mom and dad next week. My dad's 85. Ray Guy died at 72. I just think of all the years that Ray Guy could have been around this organization even more because he was around a lot at the end of his life. And he was at these Hall of Fame parties that I emceed. And it was just great to see him there. And he got to know me and I got to know him. And we lost him too soon. So it's a good day to tell a Ray Guy story, especially about the Super Bowl and the unbelievable leg kick and the way he was able to really be the cor- coffin corner guy and the guy with the hang time and the impact he had. That When he got into the Hall of Fame, and he waited too long too, by the way, these scoundrels, these scoundrels in Canton that make the Raiders uh, wait. You know, there's a bunch of guys on the list this year who are going in that waited way too long. It's not just the Raiders, but for whatever reason, they made Tom Flores, Cliff Branch, Ken Stabler and Ray Guy wait too long. That was an injustice. Everybody on God's green earth knew that Ray Guy was the greatest punter of all time. He shouldn't have had to wait as long as he had to wait to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So maybe you want to bring that edge to your phone call today on how a three-time Super Bowl champion, a seven-time Pro Bowler, a six-time All-Pro had to wait as long as he did to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, you can, you can sense there's a little bit of bitterness in my, in my voice on that. Way too late for him because he was just too good. You know, 2014, 
Really? That's how long you made Ray Guy wait? Made Cliff Branch wait and he wasn't here? So these are some of the guys we're talking about. And what I'm asking you to do, I, you don't have to, but I'd appreciate it, is when you call in with these guys in any category, you tell a story. And then you become the story because you're saying, hey, I was at a game when blank happened. I was at this game. Hey, I was sitting on the knee on the couch next to my dad's knee and watching the Super Bowl, and I remember this moment because we've been doing that, and uh, I want to get rolling on that today. So kickers and punters, one day. Tomorrow we're not going to do anything. Tomorrow's Friday. We will do something here, but I'm not going to go with the new category. And then we're done on defense, and we're done on special teams. We're going to mention you know, special teams players, but all we have to do next to clean up is we had some big categories. We have running backs. We have fullbacks. That's going to take a day and a half. We have wide receivers and the quarterback. So we got four more of the all-time best on Raider Nation Radio coming up. As I'm live at camp, I'm going back to New York for my nephew's wedding uh, at the middle of next week. And then we'll wrap it up and we'll get you ready for the preseason. So rookies reported today. Raiders were in the news yesterday and the day before because of Josh Jacobs not coming to terms on a long-term contract, which is not going to be long-term to any running back ever again. Long-term is going to be three years. The longest contract that a running back most likely is ever going to get, I won't say ever, but it looks like is their rookie deal. It's going to be hard to say that a guy who plays on a rookie deal and is under team, you know, the team controls that contract with franchise tags up to six or seven years. It's hard to think that a running back after year five is going to get a five-year deal. I don't know, unless Walter Payton walks through that door, Emmett Smith's reincarnated. Most are not going to do that. Dalvin Cook doesn't even have a job. So for Josh Jacobs now, as I predicted and I told you, everything's quieted down. It was chaos for two or three days. Everything's quieted down. He didn't get a deal done. Now we look at the rookies. So the two big topics for the Raiders here over the next couple of days, the next two shows, are the rookies reporting and then Jimmy Garoppolo's um, physical coming up. And Vinny Bonsignor told us something yesterday that I wasn't aware of. He said that Jimmy G might have already taken his physical. He couldn't confirm it or not, but we don't know what's happening. They are airtight over in Deep Henderson on this topic. And I'm not texting Dave Ziegler and waking up his kids and wife in the middle of the night asking about a physical. Let someone else break that breaking news. But we got to wait for that. And then we got a broadcast from the facility coming up next week. So pretty much every year I've been with the team, when I've been involved with the rookies showing up, I've always been high on the rookies. How could you not be? The season ends. You bring in new players. You want the kids to do well, the young players to do well. I was always excited about the rookies because you could always find something positive about a first, second, third, fourth round draft pick. There's nothing negative about the guy. Guy's going to the pros. He's never played a game. He's probably a star in college. So you're always optimistic. The only player recently I wasn't optimistic about was Damon Arnett because I knew they reached on Damon Arnett. And then when I saw him the first couple of times in the building and his body language, I just said, I don't think this guy's the right guy. You can leave it at that. That's all you're going to get out of me. But the first couple of times I saw him prancing around the building, I was just like, what is this? And how's this going to work? And that's the only rookie that I could say since the Las Vegas Raiders came into existence that I was like, man, I don't know about that guy. Now, there's been other rookies who haven't panned out. Plenty of them. I was a real big Trayvon Mullen guy coming out of Clemson. Clee Farrell was a reach at the number four pick overall, but he came in, he looked like a monster. Guy looked like an NBA player and a football player that was made in a lab. You were hoping that he would evolve 
into a player at the level of Max Crosby. Max Crosby was taken in the fourth round. He's a much better player than Cleland Farrell. But we wish Clee well as he moves on. So I also want to throw out here, which of this rookie class are you most excited about? Because I got a tweet today from someone who basically said, Aiden O'Connell is going to be really good. And he might be really good. But he's only going to get a chance to be really good if Jimmy Garoppolo isn't here. I ain't, I'm not touching that one with a 10-foot pole. I'm not going there. I hope Aiden O'Connell looks great here at camp. He's going to get a lot of reps in the preseason. He's going to play a lot of games, hopefully. But you know, I want him to do well. But I want to see some other guys get an opportunity first, like Jimmy bleeping Garoppolo. So we get that going out of the gate on that. And then finally, I got a lot to say, so I'm going to pace myself. Today is the day that Daniel Snyder is voted out of the league. Daniel Snyder had a negative effect on the Las Vegas Raiders, which affected my life. And I know a lot of people that were in and around Daniel Snyder who are dear, dear, dear friends of mine who he ruined and tried to ruin. So today is a good day. But I also tweeted out that this guy isn't done. You heard it here first. I want to be the first guy on record nationally and locally. Daniel Snyder is not done. He is a little Napoleon. The movie Napoleon's coming out with Joaquin Phoenix. Have you seen the trailer? It looks insane. It really looks good. And Daniel Snyder is a little Napoleon. And he's a powerful guy with a lot of money. And he just got a ton of money on this sale. And he is not going down as a failure in his life. He is with all of us. We all think he's a bad guy. But Daniel Snyder is warming up his blowtorch, and I believe he's going to take it to this league. I personally believe, and this isn't a Raider thing, it has nothing to do with Mark Davis. Matter of fact, I want to make sure I say that. It has nothing to do with Mark Davis. I believe that Daniel Snyder has dirt on other owners around the league. I believe that Daniel Snyder was privy to information around the league. And I believe that Daniel Snyder is going to use that information at some point. And I, I, I would bet my life on it. Not my life, but I bet a lot on it. That Daniel Snyder, when he walks out, this thing's going to be official. They're going to vote on it. They're going to have a new owner in the nation's capital. Snyder's going to get on his yacht, and he's going to go to the Mediterranean again, and he's going to boil. Because when he's on the yacht, all of his friends won't be on the yacht like they used to be. See, so he used to have people on the yacht who worked for him and were his friends and were told, you have to be here at breakfast in the morning. When you get done with the jet ski, you have to be at my table for dinner dressed at night. They're all gone. They're all going to run like, like rats now. He'll have a few people around, hangers on, because he's a multi-billionaire, especially after the sale. But I am predicting, don't know when it's going to happen, you will see Daniel Snyder in the news again, and there will be an owner or two cowering for the information that he might have. That's the monologue brought to you by PTs. Best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. Uh, go there to cool off. That's what they love about me. I tell the truth. I go there, get a ice-cold Modelo in a mug. I ask for my Modelo there, sit there, watch a game, uh, meet a friend on the other side of town, meet at a PTs, and go watch some sports and cool off here. Again, we're doing kickers and punters today. You're obviously not ready to meet my energy. Wake up and let's go. 702-365-9200. This guy's always ready. The great Chris in West Oakland. Go ahead, Chris. You're on the air. Yeah, you got me, JT? I got you loud and clear. Go ahead. Okay, there we go. Okay, I didn't, didn't hear the little beep. Okay, first off, uh, about Daniel Snyder, 
I'm really interested to hear what this guy's got, got, uh, and I hope someday they make a movie out of it. But I've always wanted to know exactly what went on and what the NFL was protecting him over because it's just, it'll always seem funny to me that out of over 650,000 emails that were supposedly reviewed, the only ones that had ever came to light had to do with the Raider coach, not the actual team they were investigating. And I know, and I know who you're talking about. Uh, you know, somebody that worked for him that'll never be the same. It's criminal what the NFL did. And if he Snyder had something to do with it well and covered it up, I hope it all comes out today. And frankly, I hope they all fry. Uh, I wanted to work something into my phone call. You talked about the scoundrels in Canton. I've said this over and over again. I'd like to be able to ask a Hall of Fame voter or multiple Hall of Fame voters why Stabler, Bench, Cliff, um, Ray Guy, and now Lester Hayes, the last members of every all-decade team from the 70s of the 80s were Raiders. You mean to tell me you're good enough to be voted to an all-decade team, but you can't go into the Hall of Fame until 30 years after you've played? And unfortunately, in Snake and, Cliff Branch, Snake and Cliff Branch's case, they weren't here to walk around with their gold jacket. They were denied that honor of walking around as the greatest of all time amongst their peers. Thankfully, Ray Guy was able to get in at least before he passed away. He was able to enjoy a few years of it, as well as Coach Flores now. And you're pretty obvious, JT, about this. It's Ray Punters, Ray Guy, Shane Leckler. I'm going to go Mike Eyshide, a guy in the late 60s. Again, an AFL guy is an honorable mention. Very Look him up. The guy was phenomenal before Ray Guy, one of the best punters in the AFL. Um, but And Leckler, even though Leckler's career numbers are longer and farther than Ray Guy, Ray Guy will always be the measuring stick. And you want a quick Ray Guy story, JT? You know I started going to the games at the end of the 72 season. So my first full season of going to Raider games was Ray Guy's rookie year in 1973. He was like batting practice for baseball. People used to leave their tailgates and go into the Coliseum early just to watch Ray Guy punt. You'd be an hour before kickoff, and the stands were three-quarters full, and the main reason were to watch how high and how far this guy punted the ball. He was the first. Yeah, like everything else in sports, guys have surpassed him. They're bigger, stronger, and faster. But Ray Guy will always be the first. The College Punter of the Year Award is named the Ray Guy Award. And also, let's not forget, the guy was a phenomenal athlete, was an All-American safety in southern Mississippi, and also a baseball player that I believe got drafted. I'm not sure, he but did. I know he also played baseball there. They're just a phenomenal athlete. Uh, for your kickers, look at Seabass and, Jan- and um, George Blanda. George Blanda was a great quarterback also before a kick kicker, but he had some of the biggest kicks in Raider history, not to mention they go along with the great Bill King's call. By the way, JT, that's another subject, the greatest radio voices of all time, which you can throw that one in there as an asterisk. But George Blanda, Seabass, Seabass, it's not his fault the Raiders didn't win a, a Super Bowl or never won a championship. But the guy's got every Raider record. The guy has made more three-pointers. Three the guy's made more... 50-yard field goals than almost any other kicker in history has even attempted. Seabass was drafted in the first round. Al Davis caught a lot of flack. He lived up to it. Not to mention he's got to be the all-time leader in, at least percentage-wise, in touchbacks because unless he wanted to kick the ball short, he just booted it out of the back of the end zone. And much like Ray Guy, when he was first drafted, people would go to the stadium early and watch this guy kick 60-yard field goals that didn't barely clear the crossbar, it would explode into the net. And I'm going to throw my third honorable mention in there. Doesn't get a, and Listen, Carlson hasn't quite done it enough, but the guy's a machine mm-hmm. and one of the great kickers in football. 
I'm going to go Chris Barr. Chris Barr won two Super Bowls, came to the Raiders, I believe it was the end of the 79 season, beginning of 1980. I wanna, I'm not 100% positive. I don't believe Chris Barr ever missed a field goal in the postseason and was a huge part of the 1980 and 1983 Raiders Super Bowl team. So, so those are my kickers, JT. Again, I appreciate you for bringing these names up. We can reminisce about some of them. And, yeah, maybe somewhere down the line you can do uh, personalities like Bill King, Greg Papa, et cetera. Thank you, my friend. If I don't talk to you tomorrow, have a great trip back to New York, seeing your family. It's Thank always you. great when you can get back there. And I'm sure you can go give the Yankees hell because <laughs> they need it, my friend. Later. Thank you. I'm not going to a Yankee game. I'm actually not. Going to my nephew's wedding, my mom and dad, my sisters. I have two sisters. My wife's coming, my sons. It's our first ever wedding in this generation. So I need to see my family. If you know me, you've been listening to me for 20 minutes or 20 years. Uh, Family time is now becoming a bigger and bigger priority for me because my family's on the East Coast and get a chance to see them. Chris Barr was a hell of a player. And if you look at him, 14 seasons in the NFL – with the Bengals and the Raiders and the Chargers at the end, his numbers were overwhelming, as Chris mentioned, what he was able to do in the Super Bowl. His career, a total of 430 points, 241 field goals, and 490 extra points. His nine seasons with the Raiders, he was 162 for 249, 65.1%. He was 331 of 350, 95% on extra points. He's the third leading scorer all time behind Janikowski and George Blanda. And how about his best season, 1983, 21 of 27 field goals, 51 of 53 on extra points for a career-high 114 points. But he was known for what he was able to do in the biggest games, the biggest games, i.e. the Super Bowl. And he was the 1976 NFL All-Rookie Team, All-AFC, He also made 15 to 19 field goals and all three, uh, 33 of his extra point attempts in the postseason. Again, 15 of 19 in his career in the postseason and never missed an extra point, which were pretty important at that point, as you remember. Raiders beat the Eagles 27-10 in Super Bowl 15, five extra points and a 21-yard field goal in the 38-9 victory over the Washington Redskins at the time. And then Super Bowl 18. So if you look at Chris Barr, he's on the list. He's on the list because he kicked for the Raiders. He's got two rings to show for it. 702-365-9200. We should not have to wait on a Sebastian Janikowski or Ray Guy call. That would be an injustice to this flagship station. We have a level of consistency on this show. Match my consistency today. It's kickers and punters. 702-365-9200. Appreciate Chris checking in. More on Daniel Snyder and some of the ramifications at the owners' meeting. I think every owner is thrilled to have Snyder out, including his former friends. His former friends that were in the league. He had some friends, not anymore. And what does it mean now for the Commanders, one of the premier franchises in NFL history, before Snyder took over, what's next for for them coming up? A 47-yard field goal attempt by George Blanda. The angle is to the right. The ball is snapped. The kick is up. It is long. It is good. George Blanda. Blanda fakes the handoff. Back to throw, and he is hit just as he unloads. It is far downfield, and it is complete for the touchdown to Boletnikov. 
Oh, Blandon a Bolitnikov. Oh, Bobby, great job with all this sound, man. Save all that stuff. Make sure no one steals that. Turn it up. People are excited today. It's the summer, beating the heat. Wednesday felt like Friday for me. Today feels like Friday. I'm feeling good for the weekend. Hopefully good things happen this weekend. Everybody have a good time. We're getting closer and closer to camp. I love the beginning of camp. I love it. I love the beginning of camp, but not like some of the journalists and insiders. I usually don't go nuts about fourth-string cornerbacks trying to make the team. That's never been my thing. We talk about it, but we don't talk about it in depth because I like to talk about the team when the team is announced. Who are the 53 that we're going to go on the journey with? But Dave Ziegler, this is his class, and the class the year before was his class, but he didn't have a lot of time to put it together considering when he got hired, had to quickly turn it around, didn't have his scouting department, did not have his guys in the building the way he has them now. So I'm excited for Dave Ziegler. I want this thing to work in a big, big way, and this is his class. And I'm pulling for everyone in this class to come in and make an impact. Two people that I respect, and again, I, I'm, a couple of them want to remain anonymous. Anonymous, or don't know if Blanda is an honorable mention or a starter, considering he was more of a quarterback. And I go, I don't know about that. I saw a lot of film of him kicking some game winners that were magical in the AFL back in the day. But the kicking category is pretty loaded with Chris Barr and Janikowski and Blanda. And Jeff Yeager and Daniel Carlson on this list, Bobby. And we've been talking a lot about the new guys, too. I would have to disagree with that because I think Blanda was much more of LaMonica's backup as yeah, opposed to yeah. being like a starter much. Right, yeah, right. With LaMonica, we're going to get to him in the quarterback. Hey, you got Blanda and LaMonica in the quarterback category with Carr, Gannon, Plunkett, and Stabler. And I got three. That's it. Three there. And that's going to – that's – not gonna be <laughs> that might ruffle some feathers when we get to honorable mention at quarterback. All right, let's get we got another murderer's row brewing here. So let's get to everybody here. Raider Row in San Diego, you are up first. Go ahead. Hey, what's up, JT? First off, uh, you know, Seabass. I remember he got drafted, and I was 19 years old, thinking, Mister Davis, what are we doing here? But uh, you know, although I would never draft a kicker in the first round, you know, he would go on to have some great moments for us. Um, you know, I comes to mind his uh, big field goal against the Chiefs in the Jacoby Ford game, um, and just a lot of other moments like that where he sealed the deal for us. Owns a lot of records, mm-hmm. uh, longest field goal in overtime. Uh, I believe most field goal attempts over 55 yards. And he was at the forefront of making a high 55 plus yard kick. Um, you know, something that you would try. Mm-hmm. You know, today people try yeah. 60 yarders, but that's not how it was back then. Um, I remember sometimes he'd be lined up. Uh, on the right hash and you'd worry about his uh, left foot hooking, but most of the time he got the job done and, you know, we owe him a lot. Um, and, you know, teamed up with Shane Leckler, what a pair, mm-hmm. you know, we've been lucky against another lineage of great players, but, you know, they were awesome special teams duo. I got to talk about Daniel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this was a guy that started with the Vikings, had a big miss for them. Um, you know, a, a shrewd pickup for us. And all I could say is he's nails, you know, mm-hmm. um, yes. you know, when he comes up, you think he's going to make it. I was with my father and son in the end zone that he kicked into in that uh, Chargers versus Raiders finale, and you had no doubt. You had no doubt he was going to send us to the playoffs, and he just one of the most important kicks in Raider regular season history, if not the biggest in Raiders regular season history. It eliminated the Chargers and put the Raiders in the playoffs that desperately needed to get in, and eliminated Pittsburgh. It's one of the greatest kicks of all time, and in one of the uh, arguably greatest regular season finish of all time. Absolutely. 
Yeah, so I think you can, you know, realistically look at him the way we look at a Max Crosby, that he's young in his career with us. Mm-hmm. He's six foot five. You know, hopefully he can stay consistent. Um, I also just want to give a quick shout out to Jeff Jager. You know, he was yes. my guy when I was a young, young man. And uh, also Joe Nedney. Thanks for giving us a big yeah. win against the Chiefs. Yeah, thank so you thanks, for that. JT, for your time. I had Joe Nedney on the list a little bit later on. I'm happy you brought that up. Thank you. Outstanding phone calls. Opens up a line for you, 702 365 9,200. Carlson's been fantastic. He truly has been fantastic. And I want to say the Raiders have wasted him, but to have six wins with Daniel Carlson, Devontae Adams, and Max Crosby is unacceptable. You got a guy who can score. And that's a big deal that I was brought up in as a fan, as a kid. I believe going into every Raider game that I'm on the pregame show, I always believe that the kicker has to have a minimum of 9 to 12 points. Everyone talks about 32. Raiders need to score 30. Okay, the kicker needs at least three extra points on touchdowns. You need three touchdowns, that's three points. And then you need at least two field goals, two. That gets you to nine points. You can't have a kicker that's not kicking extra points because you're not scoring touchdowns and is only giving you two. And if the Raiders come up short in a drive and Carlson comes in and puts up three, I'm good with that. But obviously every fan wants touchdowns and not field goals, but Carlson gives you those 40 to 45 yarders where you're not going to get a touchdown. It's third and 11 at the 35. You're not going to get a touchdown. You might get a penalty in the end zone. You might get it, but you know you got Carlson who's going to be able to come through. Chris in Sacramento, always good to hear from you, Chris. Off another vacation. Good to have you, my friend. Oh, man. Puerto Vallarta was hot. <laughs> so I'm back, man. I'm back. Good to have you. Uh, hey, so I'm going to start off with punters. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, I think Ray Guy and Leckler – Leckler obviously going to Ray Guy's camps when he was a kid, and you learn from this guy. I mean, Leckler came in during the, that era in Oakland when the only two pro bowlers we had were our kicker and our punter. Um, you know, it, it, statistically, you can probably argue for either one, but Ray Guy is the number one punter because he changed the game. If you talk to any of them old guys, they will just tell you field position was everything, and Ray Guy gave him great field position. But statistically – and I did these really quick, uh, you know, kicking inside the 20, which is, you know, really important in, in especially today's game. Uh, Ray guy was 20% and he averaged 36.8 yards per kick. That was his net average. Leckler was 31%. And I'm going with the gray guy, Leckler. And then I'm putting in AJ Cole. AJ Cole mm-hmm. is at 46% of his kicks are inside the 20 yard line. And he averages 41.5% net on his kicks. He's, he's awful. And, uh, I, you know, and I think he's going to get better and better if we can keep him. So I'm going with those three guys. I've actually mm-hmm. met Jeff Gossett a few times, and he's one of the nicest people on the planet. And uh, he's going to be my honorable mention. As far as kickers, um, <laughs> this is going to shock some people, kind of shock me. But I'm leaving Blanda out. Yeah, I, I know. He was, I know. I mean, 26 years, you don't take that away from him, the Hall of Fame numbers. But most of those numbers were based on the longevity of his career. George Blanda kicked 63 percent of his field goals back in the day. That might have been OK. But today he's not even in the league. You know, it, 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 it he did have some clutch kicks. He had some exciting times with the Raiders. He never won a Super Bowl. Uh, but 63 percent. Janikowski was 80 percent. Chris Bohr was 63% as well, mm-hmm. but he won two Super Bowls. Right. So I'm giving him the edge over Blanda. 
And my third guy's Carlson. He's nine, almost 92% of his kicks go through the uprights. I mean, that's incredible. He could literally go down as one of the greatest kickers in NFL history. So my okay. third, Janikowski, Barr, Carlson. I'll tell you a quick George Blanda story if I got time. Yeah, you do. Go ahead. I met George uh, at an event I did in Palm Springs, and he was grumpy. And, it, you know, it was later in, in his life. And uh, I asked him to sign a jersey for our auction that we were doing as a charity event. And he did it but he made me feel real bad about asking him. And I was really intimidated by George. It was the first time I'd met him. And, uh, and everybody kind of just laughed and said, ah, it's just George. You know, he's always mm-hmm. been that way. So, uh, left it at that. Then I met him a couple years later. I did an autograph signing with him, uh, at the Hilton in Oakland. And I was like an eight year old little boy and I was terrified. And I went into his room and I thought this is going to be awful. And he could have been nicer. He signed every autograph but the coolest thing he did was he sent his wife off to, to go have lunch. And we're in a basic little room at the Hilton and the TV's on. It was Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I remember the University of Tennessee was playing. Danny Ainge's right. nephew, I think, was the quarterback. And he sat down on the end of the bed. He told me like a grandpa to sit down next to him. And we're three feet away from the television. And for 45 minutes, he talked football. And he critiqued Ainge's footwork and then mm-hmm. how he was throwing. And I, I didn't say a word for 45 minutes. I just sat there and listened to this legend. Wow. And, uh, you know, right. just it was really a highlight of my life to, to be able to have that time with George Blanda. So he is a Hall of Famer. I don't know if he's one of the top three greatest kickers in Raider history, but he's certainly one of the greatest personalities mm-hmm. in Raider history. And I'll leave it at that. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Great phone call. I love to hear stories on how you met these guys. Really important for me. I didn't meet, I've never met George Blanda. But that's a great story, I, I and I, that's important. I want to hear stuff like that when it comes to that. It's tough for me to take George Bland off any list. It is. Uh, when you mention the punters having A.J. Cole, I'm more, I'm more likely to have A.J. Cole as a starter than I am Carlson because of Blanda, but we can all agree to disagree. So we'll come back on the other side. we got another great legendary historian on hold to talk about this. Got a guest coming in studio Big convention coming to Vegas, Seacon. It's going to bring businesses involved in sports and entertainment and innovation to Las Vegas. And we're going to talk to one of the gentlemen behind the scenes here. That's coming up at the top of the hour. I always like to talk business on this show and the growth of Las Vegas. Important to me. Hopefully it's important to you. We're brought to you by Resorts World. Speak of innovation and growth, how about Resorts World? And Daniel Carlson is on to put a little frosting on the cake. A little 47-yarder. Jackpot, baby! Let's go to Cincinnati! Yeah, baby! Who can forget that? Brett Mutzberger on the call. Jason Horowitz is now the play-by-play. Got a lot happening, new stuff happening in the preseason that I'm going to be involved with, which I'm excited to tell you about here in a couple weeks. Love that. That was a big thing. On to Cincinnati and the Raiders back to the playoffs. Derek Carr got the Raiders to the playoffs twice. Once on a broken leg, ankle, he didn't play in Houston. And then the loss in Cincinnati on the first and goal at the nine, and that didn't come through. Very unfortunate there because Carr had a great career with the Raiders 
but didn't have a playoff win. I was watching the documentary on Netflix, Quarterback, Quarterbacks, pretty fascinating. I'm going to talk about that more tomorrow because uh, I got one more episode left, and Patrick Mahomes dominates this documentary, and his wife dominates this documentary. I don't talk badly about athletes' wives, but we'll leave it at that. If, you, if you've watched the show, you know what I'm talking about. And what Patrick Mahomes, the arrogance he has to play the way he plays, I didn't know. I didn't know how much profanity he used. I didn't realize how hurt he played. I always know he hurt. Some people think he plays it up too much, whatever you think. But the guy's unbelievable. It's going to take a Herculean effort for this organization to be Patrick Mahomes in the next couple of years. Everything is going to have to come to such a high level to beat Mahomes because he's at the top of his game. But i got a crib like six minutes from our hotel, so my fans will stay there. No, I just like uh, airbnb it. I did that three months ago. I'm like, bro, that's blessed up on the price. Uh, what was said there is he got an Airbnb three months before the Super Bowl because he knew he was going to play in the Super Bowl. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Raider 66, as we're talking about kickers and punters today. Thank you. Hey, JT, how are you doing today? I'm doing real well, thank you. Great. Yeah, I'm uh, enjoying Southern California weather today. My wife and a couple of the grandkids, we took them to Knott's Berry Farm right nice. now. Nice. It's uh, nicer weather than the, the heat we got in Vegas right now. <laughs> I would hope to, I would hope so, no doubt about it. Yeah. What, what do you think of this category? Yeah. I'm sure you got a lot to say. Uh, oh, yeah, I tell you, the, the names that have been said are you know pretty much uh, all the same. you got Bland in. And I will put Blandy in there because they say that Benatieri is the greatest clutch kicker. No, 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 no. George Blanda. He makes it just on the five weeks in 1970 alone for me. Mm. I mean, we we're talking, uh, you know, Monica goes down, throws a couple of touchdowns, kicks a field goal. They beat Pittsburgh. Then they go into Kansas City, that whole Ben Davidson thing, and uh, Blanda kicks the last second field goal to tie it. Then they go into Cleveland. Uh, he has to come in for a sick LaMonica again, throws a touchdown, kicks a last-second field goal to win again. Then two more weeks against Denver and San Diego, kicks last-second field goals to win. I mean, the guy was clutch, ice water in his veins, and that's why Ken Stabler was picking his brain rather than LaMonica's when he was sitting on the bench. So um, uh, just a note here, I'm, you can probably tell, I'm going to put Blanda in this one and mm-hmm. when we go to the quarterback, same thing. but in that Cleveland game, in that five-week streak, He's driving the team down. They're inside the 10-yard line. Sorry about the noise. No problem. Driving uh, inside the 10-yard line, and uh, it's uh, less than two minutes to go, so they got a timeout. The last time out, he comes back to the sideline, and John Matt's arms are waving and going, okay, here's what we got to do. we got to do this and this and this. Blander goes, John, he goes, how about if I just throw the ball three times to Warren Wells, I guarantee a touchdown. John looks at him and he goes, well, if you guarantee it, he goes, go do it. Blander goes out there, first down, incomplete, second down, touchdown. And then he kicks the last second field goal to win it. So Blanda was just a total clutch. And, and uh, Janikowski, the one disappointment I had with Janikowski is, because mm-hmm. I knew they were going to draft him. Everybody's like, oh, you think they're going to? I knew that Al was going to take him in the first round because the year before, 1999, that year like last year, they lost like seven or eight uh, close games, like two, three, five points. And a lot of it was because their kicker was very inconsistent and uh, they just missed a lot of kicks. So I knew they were going for this guy. They did. And my big disappointment is, is that through all those years that when they drafted him, I said, you know, somewhere in his career, we're going to be playing in Denver and they're going to line him up like in the last two minutes of a half or something like that and kick an 80 yard field goal or a 75 yard field goal or something. And that never happened. And that is one of the big disappointments they have. 
for uh, Janikowski in his career. And they also have this rule that uh, I didn't even know about until uh, Don Shula came up with it on a Monday night against my, uh, I forget who it was. It's in the last two minutes, you can do a fair catch free kick, which means mm-hmm. you, there's no rush. The defense has to be 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. You get the ball at the line of scrimmage and, and the kicker just kicks it. And somewhere in there, the Raiders should have done that and gave Janikowski a chance to hit that 70-yarder. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the special teams, the Raiders have just had, you know, so many great players. And then with, uh, then with Ray Guy, mm-hmm. um, this guy, he was an All-American, I think, his senior year on defense. He had eight interceptions. Yes, other miss. good point. The guy was such, such a great athlete. And a baseball and player. Yeah, and in baseball, but yeah, four teams drafted him, but he, he went uh, through college and uh, decided to go to football, and he was the backup, uh, the third string, the emergency quarterback for the Raiders. 66, so the hold was, on. I'm running out of time. i got to run. Okay, what's, that, what's that ride behind you? I hear the roller coaster. Which one yeah. is that? Uh, it's a twisty, poorly upside down <laughs> one. I can't, see, I can't see the name of it. But, thank yeah, there is. But uh, thanks, JT, thank for the you. time. Uh, That's the first ever Raider call I've ever taken from Knott's Berry Farm. Right underneath a roller coaster. That's dedication. I'm not making fun of that. I really appreciate that. The guy's on a vacation with his grandkids underneath a roller coaster listening and calling the show. Want to talk about a compliment for what I do? There aren't many compliments in my business. That's a nice compliment. That is dedication uh, coming up there. So we're talking about the greatest of all time, kickers and punters. We seem to have Janikowski as a lock. We seem to have Chris Barr as a lock. Chris Barr won two Super Bowls. Janikowski, one of the greatest kickers in the modern era. We know that Ray Guy and Shane Leckler are locks when it comes to the punters. So do you have Jeff Gossett or A.J. Cole? Do you have George Blander, Jeff Jaeger, or Daniel Carlson? That's what I need from you the next hour of the show. I got a guest coming up here at the top of the hour. Jay Vickers will join us in studio. He's the Chief Operating Officer of Sports Innovation, the initiative at UNLV. CCON, which is going to be a great event that I'm going to be a part of coming up next year. We're going to tell you about that because this is the sports and entertainment combined capital of the world. We're getting NBA, everybody. Believe me. I know a little bit about that topic, too. We're getting the NBA. And when we get the NBA, that's going to be a game changer, too. When people come to visit me that haven't been out here for three or four years, they go, what should I see? And I say, well, there's three things you probably haven't seen or four. Have you seen Circa? They're not a client of ours, but I plug Circa because it's incredible, the stadium swim. Have you seen Resorts World? You're about to see the Sphere. And have you seen Allegiant Stadium? That's what's happened in a a couple of years here. So more and more is going to happen because of the initiative to bring entertainment and sports and marry it together. We'll get into that conversation coming up here in a few minutes. The DeCastaverde Law Group. You know, I see all these banners. I'm the best lawyer. No, I'm the best lawyer. I'm tougher than you. I could. I got veins and motorcycles. No, you want the DeCastaverde Law Group. They have an unbelievable legacy with their dad. They'll take care of you. 702-222-9999.